God made a difference between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. Even though they were close together, God made a difference between them in terms of disease. This is fascinating stuff. We're going to study this in about three minutes. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, where we are discovering the Bible. We're looking at Exodus 9, and these were in the midst of the 10 plagues of Egypt. It's going to be good, so... Make sure you stick around for a couple minutes for that. In 20 minutes time, Corey's coming up. Corey? I'm going to be taking a look at what kind of evidence we should expect to find for the Exodus event. Ryan? Today we read about the plagues God brought on Egypt, but some think that it's the Bible that's plagued, plagued with contradictions. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. Excellent. Janice? God did it. All right, so it's very simple. God did it. We'll talk about that later in about 25 minutes. Right now, let's open the Bible and listen to God. Exodus 9, 1 through 17. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and tell him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will be on your cattle in the field, on the horses, on the donkeys, on the camels, on the oxen, and on the sheep, a very severe pestilence. And the Lord will make a difference between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt." so nothing shall die of all that belongs to the children of Israel. Then the Lord appointed a set time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. So the Lord did this thing on the next day, and all the livestock of Egypt died. But the livestock of the children of Israel, not one died. Then Pharaoh sent, and indeed, not even one of the livestock of the Israelites was dead. But the heart of Pharaoh became hard, and he did not let the people go. So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take for yourselves handfuls of ashes from a furnace, and let Moses scatter it toward the heavens in the sight of Pharaoh. And it will become fine dust in all the land of Egypt, and it will cause boils that break out in sores on man and beast throughout all the land of Egypt. Then they took ashes from the furnace and stood before Pharaoh, and Moses scattered them toward heaven. And they caused boils that break out in sores on man and beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boils were on the magicians and on all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not heed them, just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For at this time, I will send all my plagues to your very heart, and on your servants, and on your people, that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. Now, if I had stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, then you would have been cut off from the earth. 
But indeed for this purpose, I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. As yet, you exalt yourself against my people, in that you will not let them go. Exodus chapter 9, verses 1 through 17. Exodus 8, 9, 10. This is amazing as we continue our study through the Bible and focus on this. Get your Bible guide out and turn to today's passage as we get ready to explore the Word of God. You know, many people who argue against God tend to choose not to believe in the Bible. They will live their lives with their choices. Now, we are how we think. When we think, we let everyone know who we are. Faith is a part of thinking. It is what we believe and how we believe, which is particularly driven by thought. When Pharaoh chose to believe he was God, his heart hardened against God. Now, God did not do to Pharaoh what we quickly surmise. When we learn and understand what was going on in the ancient confrontation with Egypt, we learn and understand what God was telling them. Pharaoh thought that he was the son of God, whom they called Ra. So God sent 10 plagues that correlated with the other Egyptian gods to prove to Pharaoh that he was no God at all. He had to repent. And that's all he had to do. He didn't have to give up money. He didn't have to do all this. He simply had to let the people go. Very interesting, I'll tell you. This is a fascinating study on character of, of human beings and all of that. Today, the choice was Pharaoh's. <laughs> Exodus chapter 9. And turn your Bible guide to today's passage because we cover it well. And uh, the Bible, of course, is the most important book you'll ever read. And I want to encourage you. Uh, the New Living Translation is a great translation. The ESV is a great translation. The New King James Version is a great translation. Th these are good translations of the Bible. Whatever you want to use, use that. But we need to pray and ask the Lord to teach us his way and show us his path. Father, I pray today that you would teach us in the study of scripture, which we're going to do now. I pray that you would show us your way and teach us your path. In Jesus' name, we have to hear from the Bible to change our heart. I mean, if we don't really hear from the Bible, then what's the point? So Lord, we pray today that this next six minutes would be spent listening to the word of God in Jesus' wonderful name. And we all said together, make it so, or amen. Very good. All right, let's look at Exodus chapter nine and read it carefully. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and tell him, thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will be on your cattle in the field and on your horses and on the donkeys and the camels and the oxen and on the sheep. A very severe pestilence. And the Lord will make a difference between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. So nothing shall die of all that belongs to the children of Israel. 
Then the Lord appointed a set time saying, tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. So the Lord did this thing on the next day and all the livestock in Egypt died. But the livestock of the children of Israel, not one died. And then Pharaoh sent and indeed, not even one of the livestock of the Israelites was dead. But the heart of Pharaoh became hard and he did not let the people go. The heart of Pharaoh became hard and he did not let the people go. God discerned between the livestock of Israel and Egypt. God discerned between the livestock of Israel and Egypt. God takes care of those who follow and who trust him. Here's what we need to see in this. God is setting the boundaries. We're not setting the boundaries. We're only responding to God. God sets the boundaries. I'm going to do this, this, and this. If you do that, that, and that, this won't happen. So we, God sets the atmosphere and sets the boundaries. Once he set the boundaries, we don't move the boundaries because he set them. And so it's important for us to hear that in our lives. When we come to Jesus Christ, he has set the boundaries in his word. We need to read his word, love his word, understand it, and commit our lives to it. So that's exactly what happened. Now we go on to the next passage in Exodus chapter nine, verse eight. Watch this. So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, take for yourselves handfuls of ashes from the furnace and let Moses scatter it towards the heavens in the sight of Pharaoh. And it will become fine dust in all the land of Egypt and it will cause boils that break out in sores on man and beast throughout all the land of Egypt. And then they took the ashes from the furnace and stood before Pharaoh and Moses scattered them towards heaven. And they caused boils that break, break out in sores on man and beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils for the boils were on the magicians and on, on the Egyptians and the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not heed them, just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Now, remember this very important. God showed himself Lord, capital L-O-R-D, through his act of bringing boils on their flesh. God showed himself as Lord through his act of bringing boils on their flesh. God is the same yesterday. God is the same today. God is the same forever. This God who applied these plagues to Egypt is the same God we serve today. And do you understand? Do we understand? Do I understand that this is God? And the only reason we don't have that same restriction today is because of Jesus Christ, the only begotten son of God. Well, let's go on to the last passage. Very interesting. Then the Lord said to Moses, rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. For at this time, I will send all my plagues to your very heart and on your servant and on your people that you may know that there is none like me in all of the earth. Now, if I had stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, then you would have been cut off from the earth. But indeed, 
For this purpose, I have raised you up that I may show my power in you and that my name may be declared in all of the earth. My name may be declared in all the earth as yet you exalt yourselves against my people in that you will not let them go. And there's the plan of God. Pharaoh was given many opportunities to honor God. We are given the opportunity in our life on a regular basis to honor God every day. And the question is, do we? What about today? We have the question, are we going to honor God? Did we? Will we? Are we? Do we want to? Father, I pray today that you would help us to honor you and help us to be people who follow you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study. And today I'm focused on Exodus chapter nine, and we're right in the middle of the 10 plagues on Egypt. And some claim that there's a contradiction between the fifth and seventh plagues. Now, if you recall, the fifth plague is the death of the Egyptian livestock, and the seventh plague is hail. Now, this claim that the Bible's contradicting itself here is a very, very old one. But in reality, it's a very flimsy argument, and this segment should help to set the record straight. Exodus chapters 7 through 12 document the 10 plagues which God brought upon the Pharaoh and his people for refusing to let his people go. In chapter 9, however, there seems to be an inconsistency. That's because in the fifth plague, God brings disease upon the Egyptians' cattle, and verse 6 records that all the livestock of Egypt died. However, just a few verses later in the seventh plague of hail, God warns Pharaoh to gather your livestock and all you have in the field. For the hail shall come down on every man and every animal which is found in the field and not brought home, and they shall die. So if all the livestock of Egypt died in the fifth plague, then how can God be warning Pharaoh to bring his livestock in from the field for the seventh plague? Actually, the alleged inconsistency arises not because of any biblical shortcomings, but rather from a failure to read the text carefully. In the fifth plague, all the livestock of Egypt that were in the field died, says Exodus 9.3, this is what the all refers to in verse 6, all that were in the field in the land of Egypt. Those that were not in the field presumably survived and are seen again in the seventh plague, along with any new livestock that may have been acquired in the intervening time. Indeed, the Bible does not tell us how much time transpired between the fifth and seventh plagues, and so it's possible that in addition to the livestock which remained alive, more were acquired either from the Israelites in the land of Goshen or from surrounding territories such as Libya, Ethiopia, and Canaan. So any livestock not in the field during the fifth and seventh plagues would have survived, though the firstborn of them would later die in the tenth plague. Where is any inconsistency? 
You know, a lot of these so-called Bible contradictions are really a product of our own ignorance. As with today's example, it's a result of us simply not reading the text carefully. So the error is not on the Bible's part, but on but ours. And sometimes apparent contradictions require even more study. But that's not a bad thing. As a matter of fact, I find many times that when I really, really dig into the text, I uncover new things that I've never seen before, which helps me to strengthen my faith, not to weaken it. Yeah, it's very interesting. And we don't like to do that today. We want answers, 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 that's answers. That's right. But there are times, and most of the time when we study the Bible, when we don't get answers, 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 we have to study to learn the levels. And when we learn that, then it's, things are different. That's yeah, you're different. right. It's very hard for, for uh, humans yeah, these it, days. A human nature, yeah, right? Is yeah. to, we want it right now. Want it now, now, it's now. I got it on social microwave media. Microwave sort yeah. of uh, mm-hmm. idea. Yeah. I remember hearing a preacher say one time, do you stand in front of the microwave and yell, hurry up? <laughs> I know who that, who that was. <laughs> right, Excellent. So. <laughs> Corey? All right. Well, uh, kind of in that same vein, we are going to be taking a look for a look at the evidence that we currently have for the Exodus and what is reasonable of us to expect from history when it comes to establishing the events of the Exodus and kind of why it's important. So let's jump into that and then we'll talk about it afterwards. The Israelite exodus from Egypt is one of the most controversial events that the Bible claims as history. Its very nature, however, means that the kind of corroborating evidence that we would expect to find for it would be itself different in nature than many other events. Not only is the claimed exodus event very ancient, but it involves a defeat and humiliation of Egypt, which is not the kind of thing we should expect to find carved on the victory monuments of the pharaohs. Beyond this, the Israelites lived nomadic lives in the wilderness for 40 years. A people group moving around does not leave the kind of material evidence that a sedentary culture does. So when establishing the historicity of the Exodus, several lines of evidence must be considered to build a case. A key line of evidence involves the importance of the Exodus as an establishing event. The entire culture of Israel revolved around it. Yearly festivals were observed because of it. Events were dated from the year of the Exodus. Even the very justification for following the law of God was that God had rescued them from Egypt. The Old Testament has well over a hundred references back to the Exodus event. Not only does the Bible tell us that it happened, but the resulting culture of Israel also points back to the Exodus as its foundational event. Another line of evidence examines the biblical account of Israel in Egypt to see if it fits what's known about Egypt of that time, or if it reflects a later or spurious reconstruction. Could the Exodus account plausibly reflect actual conditions in those areas and cultures? Turns out, yes, the biblical Exodus account contains timely Egyptian loanwords, accurately describes a new kingdom setting and beliefs. On top of this, there's archaeological and literary proof of Semitic slaves in Egypt. Along with surviving slave names, the city of Averis has been excavated, which would later be known as Ramesses. It was a Semitic city that was abandoned sometime after the reign of Amenhotep II, a candidate for the Exodus pharaoh. The book of Deuteronomy was written in the style of a Hittite suzerain vassal treaty, meaning that the law itself was organized into a style from that period. 
Another line of evidence appeals to Egyptian parallels of the Exodus event. Though this area of research is highly debated, there are texts like the Admonitions of Ippur that record the sorrow of an Egyptian official over plagues afflicting Egypt. And there may be Egyptian parallels to the I Am name of God revealed to Moses in Exodus 3. Final lines of evidence have to do with Israel's emergence in Canaan. Israel left some distinctive marks on the landscape of Canaan that appear during the biblical time of the Judges. Their existence on the archaeological record demonstrates that they did come from somewhere, and Egyptian documents themselves, like the Merneptah Stella, places an established Israel in Canaan by the 12th century. So there we go. There are several lines of evidence just, just in that segment that we can look to to see to establish the Exodus event as a real historical event. Now, obviously, it's this is such a controversial topic uh, because you'll have some scholars say, nope, there's no evidence uh, for the Exodus at all. And then other scholars will admit, okay, yes, something had to have happened. We just don't know exactly what. We can't historically reconstruct every detail of this event the way the Bible says. And you know what? That's fair. We know that something happened, something foundational had to happen that was a, a deliverance of Israel uh, from an enemy because there's just so much that so much in the scriptures so much in Jewish culture even today that harkens back to this foundational event so if it didn't happen then what happened but in terms of uh, physical evidence they're still looking for that there's still a struggle for that uh, you know Egyptian history is definitely not as well known as most of us would like. A lot of it has been lost to history. But I really don't think that scholars are done weighing in on this. There is still work that's going on right now, some reevaluating and things like that, that is still, some of it came out uh, in 2020 and 2021, that's still awaiting peer review from scholars. So there's more to come in this area. I, I, think. I think there is more to come. And, and I've heard the history of Egypt change three times with three well, different people. And I, I, what I'm, well, what I'm yeah. suggesting is- not, I'm, not the actual history, but I think no, some I'm, of the timeline people- Yes, the chronology. Yeah. Some yeah. of the chronology. chronology. Some, some people would have us believe that we need to revise it by hundreds and hundreds of years. And I just don't think, you know, when you, when you get into the argumentation, that doesn't seem to stand up at all. It doesn't really seem to hold up. Uh, one of the problems with revising the chronology of Egypt so drastically is that it would then affect the, the established history that we know of Israel in the promised land. So we, you have to be careful with that. That uh, this this conversation isn't without boundaries. Is it, it isn't without guardrails? Uh, some people that you'll read online they think we can just get rid of the guardrails, but there's really good reasons to not get rid of some of these guardrails. Uh, and if you're really interested in this, I would really recommend checking out the Associates for Biblical Research because they're pretty good at um, letting you know where some of the, the boundaries in this conversation are. Very good, very <laughs> good. All right, and your son's, uh, five-year-old son's an Egyptologist. Man, he loves it, he loves it, I know. Slowly so. getting him age-appropriate Egypt things because <laughs> man, that kid. All he right. thinks it's pretty cool. Janice? <laughs> All right. Well, and he he's pretty cool, too. <laughs> All right. Well, I titled this one, God Did It, because we're, we're, we're taking a look at the fifth plague and we're, we're um, hearing God specifically say what he's going to do and when he's going to do it. And so on Exodus 9, verses 5 and 6, then the Lord appointed a set time saying, tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. And the next verse says, so 
the Lord did this thing on the next day. And then it goes into describing what happened to the livestock in Egypt and what didn't happen to the livestock in Israel. What the Lord said would happen did happen. And in the Bible guide, Rod, you titled this day, the choice was Pharaoh's. Pharaoh had a choice to make. He knew what God had said, but he chose not to believe what God had said. And isn't that the difficulty that we've had from the beginning of time when we decide in our own hearts whether to believe what God has said or whether we don't believe what God has said. So not only is the choice Pharaoh's here, but it's my choice. It's your choice on whether this Bible, this word of God really is the word of God. And you have to make that choice. You will be accountable. There is somebody that you serve in life. And if it's not God, it's something else or someone else. Maybe it's you. But the word of God, that needs to, you need to define that for yourself. You need to make a challenge to yourself to find out whether this truly is the word of God. And I'm so thankful. This might be the very first time that you've ever clicked onto this program or that you, you just, you were channel surfing right now and you just found this program. I challenge you, if you've never thought about reading the Bible or you just think it's an old dusty book or it's just a crazy thing. I would challenge you to stick around, that you would ask God to prove himself to you, to make himself known to you. And if you honestly, if you honestly mean that, then get ready for answers. And if you want to join us every day, we are here Monday to Friday, and we're going through the Bible, as Rod says, in a year. We start in Genesis chapter 1, and by December 31st, we're in Revelation chapter 22. We go through the entire Bible. We don't just pick and choose the spots we like to teach on, because some of it is challenging. It really is, but it's worth every single minute. We truly believe that God's Word is God's Word. The Bible is God's Word, and this program is founded on Psalm 107.20. He, God, sent his word, that's Jesus Christ, to deliver us from our destructions. And so join us this year. The word of God, do you believe it or not? Hmm, that's a question. It is a good question. Thank you, Janice. That's important. So get your Bible and, and discover. And to get a Bible is not hard. You can get it at any store. Just get a Bible and begin to study with us. I love YouTube and YouTube is a great facility. So uh, if you want to get on our channel on YouTube, go to Pastor Rod Hembry. And when you look up Pastor Rod Hembry, it'll take you to a channel where we answer your question. Uh, you can ask the pastor a question there if you subscribe and we will do our best to answer it. So join us at Pastor Rod Hembry on YouTube. Let's pray today and Father, help us to live my life in faith for Jesus Christ and not for myself. In Jesus' name, amen.